Today's episode is about free will as I talk with David Banning. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. David Banning is a good friend of mine. We started doing camps together back several years ago, almost 20 years ago now, and we got to know each other pretty well there, and he and I have run around kind of the same circles for a while, but we've just never ended up in the same area. That's always been unfortunate, in my opinion. He is a great preacher. He preaches out at the Kleinwood Congregation in Houston, Texas, and he is doing a fantastic work there. You will find out just how great he is when you listen to the things he has to say today about free will. Let's jump right in. Give us a definition of the phrase free will. Free will has some extremely deep theological tentacles that are way above my pay grade to talk about. I mean, there's some some really deep stuff you can get into in the debate about free will. And I'm really today thinking more about sort of a practical understanding of that, especially as it is linked to the problem of suffering. As we think about trying to make that connection, what I'm talking about is the fact that God gives human beings the right to to choose their path. Let's, let's say it that way. In Matthew 7, Jesus said there are two ways to go through life, uh, a broad way that will take you to destruction and a narrow way that will take you to life. God doesn't compel us to go one way or the other. He allows us uh, to choose our path. Most people will acknowledge they, they think his life is about choices. Someone said a long time ago that our life is the sum total of their choices of our choices and their consequences. I think there's a lot of truth to that, but at the core of that is this idea of free will, that we are deciding how we're going to go through life. Yeah, okay. So you you simplified that way quicker than we were supposed to on this podcast. But, <laughs> That's because <laughs> I'm a, I got a really simple brain, man. That's the only I, way it operates. I am the same way. Uh, I had a I had a man one time I think accidentally described me as simple minded, but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> go with it because that is the way I think. So, well, it, and and that's where I you know. Jesus's ideas there in Matthew chapter 7, you know, you've got the broad way and the narrow way. Both of those cases, you have an end result. The broad way leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to life. It's very obvious which direction God wants us to choose. And so that part of what I find interesting with this concept of free will is that it's not just about our choice, but it's about God's desire that we choose one way or the other. Does it just have a desire for us to go one way or the other, but just overtly stacks the deck against the broad way? Uh, I mean, the interesting thing is that uh, that that our minds are often drawn 
to Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. But the truth is that this entire ending of Matthew 7 is a call to hear his voice and to walk with him. But but does that not even necessarily imply free will? Because if we didn't have the option to choose, why would he need to call us to one path or the other? Just the call here necessarily implies that, uh, that there is an option. So you follow on down through the context, and he talks about these two roads, and then he, he talks about the two voices. He warns about the false prophet that someone might listen to, and, and then urges us to hear God and to follow him. And then it closes with the famous parable of the two builders, which in essence is talking about whose voice we're going to hear. Are we going to hear and act on the words of Jesus or not? The wise builder does and the foolish builder doesn't and the outcome is the same. And so, yeah, God is clearly wanting us to go one way and not the other. But but again, the fact that he calls us to his way indicates that at the end, we're going to make that choice. What is it that you think really motivates this one way or the other? Wow. So that's a tough question. I think that that there are a lot of factors. I don't know there's one answer to that question. And I say that for this reason. I think everybody kind of has a sense that they're deciding, but I think a lot of people are in darkness and they're just, you know, Jesus in Matthew 9 describes the people of his day as being like sheep without a shepherd. And and the image there is of someone just stumbling around, not really knowing what they're doing. And so I think some people don't really know where to go. You know, an increasing number of people today grow up without ever darkening the doorstep of a church building or reading a Bible. And they may have a concept of God or some vague notion about the Bible and Jesus, but in terms of of being enlightened by truth. They just don't have it. What what drives them is a good question. Some people just live life living for the uh, looking for the next party. Some people are are replicating the pattern they learned from their parents or they're doing what everybody else is doing in culture and so they're really just sort of stumbling in darkness. That's some people. Other people have been enlightened but but temptation draws them away. And so maybe they do know the Bible and maybe they even believe in God and maybe are making some attempts to follow God. The lure of temptation and culture, whether it be greed and materialism or or sexual immorality, they're just other things that tug at them and, and pull them. Really, really is about the will. I know what God wants, but on the other hand, these things are very enticing. And so... I think that it depends on who you're talking about because people are pulled the other way for different reasons. The Cain and Abel story, both of them bring offerings. And though it's fun and we've delighted in speculating about what was wrong with Cain's offering, we just don't know except the fact that God was displeased necessarily implies that that some instruction had been given. I don't know what that is. I mean, you can speculate all day long and still we're not going to know. But maybe that's the point. It, It isn't important exactly what the instruction was. What mattered was he gave it and anticipated it to be obeyed, and it wasn't. And so Cain's offering doesn't please God. And verse 5 says he was very angry. And so that follows 
or what follows is this conversation with God, which is really interesting. God says, why are you angry? Why is your countenance followed? Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. And then relevant to our discussion, here's the phrase, you must master it. God, in essence, says, you've got these two choices. You're angry without cause because you didn't do the right thing. If you want to feel better about this, do the right thing. But if you don't, sin's waiting right there to take hold of you. You must master it. So notice he is the one ultimately who has to decide. Am I going to win over my anger and defeat this sin, or am I going to cave to it? And as verse 8 indicates, he just caved to it in a dramatically awful way. Let me segue at this point, using this story, to show the connection between free will and suffering, which I just think is really, really important. You know, unbelievers say that the number one obstacle to faith for them is all the bad things that happen in the world. They say they can't square the idea of a powerful, loving God ruling over the world with the terrible, terrible things that go on down here. But look at it at work in this story because two people are about to suffer dramatically. Abel obviously suffers. He's killed by his own brother. Abel is innocent but suffers. And Cain, too, is going to suffer, both as a consequence of Cain's free will. Remember back in verse 7, God had said, you've got to master this, but he doesn't. And his anger consumes him, and, and he kills his brother. And so what's the connection between that and suffering? Sometimes people suffer because people use their free will to do terrible things. And we see that all the time in culture. So Sam Harris is a pretty famous atheist who delights to talk about how many children are going to die of starvation in Africa today. And that's his argument against God. You know, thousands of children will die of starvation today in Africa. And surely if there are was a good God ruling over the world, he would do something about that. He would, he would feed the children. If nothing else, he would do that. It, it's a compelling argument, because not because it's logically sound, but because it's emotional. It tugs at your heartstrings to think about a little child starving, right? But the question that Harris is not answering is, whose fault is it that children aren't being fed? Why is that happening? Is there not enough food on the planet? Are we incapable of producing enough food to feed everybody? That's not what the problem is. And I don't know that I can speak for every part of the world. I do know about some parts of Africa and why children are starving. They're starving because evil dictators have used the power that they've come to be in, like in Zimbabwe. And what they do is they use food to control their people. They withhold food from their people to secure their compliance. And so when your children start dying, you start doing what the government says. Mm -hmm. 
So my question is, why is that God's fault? That sounds to me like the fault of an evil dictator and the people who are complicit with him in, in depriving this, this country of the food that they need to eat. Why is it God's fault that men are using their free will to do these evil things? Well, I'd even take it a step further of, is it God's fault when good people don't do more to provide for, you know, because the commandment we have in scripture is to go out there and take care of the less fortunate. And if we're not doing that, that's not God's fault. God actually put the law out there that said that should be taken care of. Yeah, that's that's a that's another dimension of this that I think is really, really important because some people would say, okay, so it's the work of an evil dictator. So why doesn't God do something about the evil dictator? And the answer to that question is he has at a great price. He sent his son Jesus to save Robert Mugabe, who at one time was the evil dictator of Zimbabwe. And he gave us the gospel message to to appeal to our hearts, to be the kind of person you just described, who would be generous and, and help with the poor. But here's where free will becomes a factor in all that, Adam. What if by my free will, I say, but I don't want to be a good leader. I want to be an evil dictator and I want to gather all this up for myself and I want to manipulate my people by letting their children die of starvation. Someone says, why doesn't God do something about that? Well, he could. He could intervene and he could force Mugabe to comply with his will. People don't factor in the consequence of free will when they talk about the problem of suffering. And you see that all the way back to the story of Cain and Abel. What did Abel do wrong in this story? Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Abel offered sacrifices as God said to. He suffered because his evil brother in his anger took his life. And that's the reality of the broken world that we live in. Evil men do evil things that sometimes bump into our lives and hurt us. This morning on the news here in Houston, there was a story about some teenagers fleeing from the police and uh, fleeing at a high rate of speed and they crashed into somebody else's car and the person was killed. Well, I, I mean, why does that happen? Why doesn't God do something about that? Well, question, what was he supposed to do? Uh, Was he supposed to intervene and put his foot on that brake for them? Override their free will? See, there you go. God could make us all robots, but then it wouldn't be a life of our choosing. That's all we would be, just sort of fleshly robots living out our programming. And and, and someone, someone might even ask, well, why did God create the world this way? And I think if you're a parent of children, that isn't really a question that's going to trouble you because because I remember you can probably relate to this experience Adam when my children were very small I was way bigger and stronger than them and I could compel them to do what I wanted them to do so I literally picked up my two-year-old, carried him across the room, pried open his fingers, wrapped it around a toy that he was resisting putting away, and carried him over to the toy box, unpried those fingers, and dropped it in. You could make your kids do what you wanted to do. That's not a very satisfying experience, is it? It's way better when we say, hey, son, pick up your toys, and your child chooses to be obedient. And I think that's what God has always been looking for, 
not people that are compelled by their wiring or compelled by their environment to do what he says, but people that would people that would choose him. All throughout Old and New Testament, God's looking for people who would choose him. And I think that that parents with kids get that. It's interesting to me that the story continues down as you look at the line of Cain and it tells the story of Lamech. And he says, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. This is down in verse 23, a little, little statement he makes to his wives. Wives of Lamech, pay attention to my words, for I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech, it will be 77 times. And just what, what you have here is a picture of what it looks like when we continue to pursue our own will instead of changing our choices to match God's will. Well, our own will just leads to more and more disaster. When we continue to pursue what's only best for us, you get those dictators, uh, like you talked about in Africa, you know, who are only going to do what puts money in their pockets. They're not going to do what's best for the people around them. In contrast to that, the end of Genesis chapter 4 is God starting over with his plan. So what he does is he brings Adam and Eve a new son, and that new son named Seth brings about a lineage that leads to Noah, who helps fix the problem of people pursuing their own way and never having a concern for God's way. Those two lineages are very interesting because Lamech is seventh in Cain's line. And when you look at chapter five, the seventh in Seth's line is Enoch, who walked with God and God takes him, you know, directly to heaven. So yeah. there's a, it's interesting to contrast the two lines and ultimately it boils down to the Matthew seven choice. Do I choose to hear God? Or do I not choose to hear him? Lamech is the rebel. Enoch is the follower. And, and then you map that out and you see the difference it makes. Again, people ask, why doesn't God do something about the evil in the world? And my answer to that, he has. <laughs> uh, he's done the most dramatic thing. He sent his son to be the sacrifice. He gave his word so that we would know and appeals to us in a compelling way to hear him and follow him. The only thing that he does not do is compel us to do that. He's always given us the, the option to choose whether or not we will serve him. And, and with that option comes the unavoidable reality that, uh, that some will choose badly. Uh, let, me, let me go another direction because we talked about the suffering of the innocent uh, we should also talk about the suffering of the guilty. This is a little bit more of a sensitive topic because as a culture, we we really tend to rebel against responsibility. Uh, I think for a long, long time, there's been this propensity uh, to find out why it's everybody's fault but mine, yeah. uh, the trouble that I'm facing. And so going back to Cain's story, uh, you know, Cain ends up being punished and uh, down in verse 12, uh, he's going to be a vagrant and a wanderer. And in verse 13, he complains, my punishment is too great to bear, you know. And, uh, and so he doesn't like the consequence of the choices that he's made. And, and I think that, that we are 
we are much the same way. And, and often the, uh, the blame winds up at God's doorstep. But, but we are not unlike Cain in that it is, it is common for our suffering also to be rooted in our rebellion and in our bad behavior. And so, uh, for example, people uh, spend 20 or 30 years abusing their body with, with alcohol or, or cigarettes or drugs or food. And, and then they get to be my age, their 50s and 60s, and they start hurting and feeling the consequences of that. And, you know, a smoker says, why did God let me get cancer? And you want to say, really? Really? Uh, all the warnings about, uh, you know, taking care of ourselves and living godly lives and all of a sudden when our choices begin to result in suffering, somehow this is God's fault. An awful lot of human suffering ends up being rooted in our own bad choices, sometimes just folly, sometimes sometimes sin. I've known some some men, for example, who have uh, who have been unfaithful to their wives, and that resulted in in broken marriages. Uh, it resulted in alienation from children and other family. Uh, it broke relationships with God's people. It led to financial devastation, and and when they really hit rock bottom, uh, the question is why? Why? Why am I here? How did I end up in this mess? Well, because you made a lot of really dumb choices yeah. that that put you there. And so what we don't like to, to say about suffering is, uh, maybe I'm suffering because I did something really dumb. I exercised my free will to do foolish things or, or even sinful things, and I suffered as a result. And yet to ignore that also prevents us from finding the path out of our suffering, which is which is tragic, that, that in reality, there might be a way to alleviate my suffering if I was willing to own my responsibility for it. So as we hear compl uh, Cain complain in verses uh, 12 and 13, uh, they ring a little hollow because we know he is where he is because of his own wicked choices. So again, free will rears its head here as well. Sometimes it is because we are using our free will to be foolish that we just bring terrible suffering into our lives. David and I discussed so much more that I really wish we had time to include in this podcast. But the things you've heard really should be enough to cause you to think about why it is we make the choices we make. And ultimately, if we would just always sit down and think, is this choice gonna have me on the narrow road or the broad road? we would do a whole lot better at making the choices that would please our God. I hope this podcast has been good for you and caused you to grow in some way, maybe reconsider a course of action you've taken in your life. And if there's some way we can help you or pray for you, please let us know. Reach out to us at preachimpediments.com. You can also comment there. Let us know any topics you would love for us to discuss in future episodes. And if we can in some way help you, we of course want to do that. Please continue to listen. We'll have more episodes coming, uh, one later. Until next time, starting some further thoughts on free will and then some more episodes to come in the future. You can hear past episodes again at preachimpediments.com and we encourage you to go there to learn more about the podcast. 